Can anyone relate to that a little bit? You ever had that? You ever had that Thanksgiving with the kids running around and trying to get something accomplished, right? Well, hey, happy Thanksgiving! Uh, so glad that you're here today, uh, and uh, it is it is a good time to be a part of God's church. And I know it's been raining outside this morning. And you probably had every excuse in the world uh, to not come and worship the Lord and gather with your church family, but you're here, and uh, we uh, sincerely appreciate that. And also, just wanted to uh, say and bring you greetings from ICOM, the International Conference on Missions. Um, I know there were many of us that went down there to attend the conference, and some of us to volunteer Friday night. And so if you are a volunteer at the conference, you just raise your hand real fast. I know they don't want any recognition, but thank you. I just want to say thank you to these folks. Uh, they gave up probably at least half of their Friday to come down to the conference and to serve missionaries uh, from around the world, over 125 countries represented at that conference. Um, and man, it was, it was really, really good. Some of the, some of the, uh, really great preaching, great worship, uh, great engagement. And they have this booth space that had 16 aisles with over 600 booths of different ministries represented, different mission organizations. Um, I mean, just all kinds of things. You could have just spent hours just in the booth space, but it was such such a great, great time uh, to reconnect with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know that I drive my, my daughters crazy when I go to these things because they're like, Dad, are there going to be people you know there? And I'm like, yeah. And so I was getting pulled over here and having this conversation. They're always waiting on me. But they're old enough now. They just go do their own thing. You know, uh, Isabel came home with like two cups full of pens from all these booths. Like, you know, so it's like trick or treating at the booths, you know, for kids, but it's, it's really good. So, you know, the title of today's message is when it's hard to give thanks. You ever had one of those where you're going into Thanksgiving week and you're like, man, I am not, I'm not in a good place for this. I, I just, I, it has been a rough a rough day, a rough week, a rough month, a rough year, bad season. I, I'm having a hard time. Yeah, I know all these people are really excited about this week, and they're excited about the, the family gathering or the gathering with friends. But I'm having a hard time. I'm, I'm just having a hard time getting into the spirit of thankfulness and gratefulness. And I wondered about that for these missionaries that are coming off the mission field. Some of them facing a crisis back where they are, persecution for their belief in Jesus Christ. Someone always coming against them because of the ministry of the gospel. Some of them grossly underfunded. I mean, they're doing what God's calling them to do halfway around the world, and, and yet they don't have the funds to do what they need to do. Some of them facing hunger. Some of them facing other crisis. Uh, maybe it's a crisis in their ministry. I mean, they're dealing with people, too, in the messy lives of those that are trying to follow Jesus or trying to find Jesus. And I just wonder if they ever come in to a season of Thanksgiving where they say, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not in the mood. And what do we do as Christians when it's hard to give thanks? You see, here in the United States, we have a day of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day. Really started all the way back with George Washington, if you understand the roots of it really became declared a national holiday by Abraham Lincoln. He declared that the last Thursday of November would be a day of Thanksgiving for the country. It became a national federal holiday. I think that was Roosevelt did that some 60, 70 years later. But we, we have a day, we have a focus, we have a week 
that we actually have set apart. And so it's maybe more of a thing that's on our minds as Americans, but just as we have influence around the world as Americans, and so this culture and this month of Thanksgiving has made its way around. But what do you do and how do you respond when you're just not at a place where you're feeling it? Well, we're going to look at a, 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 a scripture section today that you've probably never looked at for Thanksgiving, and it's in 2 Chronicles. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn there. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to begin today. And as always, you're, well, you're welcome to follow along in your Bible. You can also follow along in the Oakwood app. And if you download the Oakwood app and go to Sermon Notes, all the notes are there, all the scriptures are there. We're going to be looking today at a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king of Judah. That's the southern kingdom. He'd followed his father, who was not a very, uh, we'll say, God-honoring, God-following king. But Jehoshaphat, when he came into the throne, he did some good things. He got rid of some of the idol worship, the Asherah poles that were erected. Um, the, the, the way that Judah was, was kind of going at that time, he was starting to correct some of that, and he found a faith in the Lord. He found a faith in a God that, that, that he was reminded had done several things. But things weren't always great, and he didn't always make the best choices. And then there came in his reign, if you read 17 and 18 and 19, leading up to chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, you get to 2 Chronicles 20 and you're like, wait a second, what, what's going on here? He comes into this crisis. And that's what we're going to pick up today is that he's just been told that there are some armies that are building and they're coming against him. What is he going to do about that? Let's begin 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 5. It says this, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built in it a sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. You see, thankfulness, if you want to know where we begin with thankfulness this week, thankfulness starts with faith. It begins with faith. Look at the terms of trust and faith that he uses here in these first five verses of our text. He says that you're the God of heaven, right? Anyone else the God of heaven? Like you're, you're over all of heaven? No, no one? Okay. Uh, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. God, you're so mighty, you're so powerful, you rule over everything. And then the next part of verse 6, he says, Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. You're almighty, you're all-powerful. And then he goes to verse 7, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land? And then he speaks to the authority of Almighty God. Toward the end of verse 7, he says, didn't you give this land as an inheritance to the descendants of Abraham? It shows the authority of God. He can actually give land away. He can actually move people groups around. 
And all throughout this text, you even get to the bottom, and he says, you know, what's going to happen when these armies are coming against us? When we're stressed out, when we don't know what to do, what, what are we going to do? And he, there at the end, he says, you will hear us and you will save us. Why is he saying that? It's because he has a faith in a God that will do it. He has faith in a God that is always provided, that is always shown to be powerful, that is always shown to be mighty, that has always been in favor and for and working for his people. And then he mentions right in the middle of that text this, this faith of a character named Abraham. You remember Abraham. God made a covenant with him all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And if you remember how it started with Abraham, God said to him, Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go into the land I will show you. Now that took faith. <laughs> leave all the comforts, leave everything you know, leave your home, leave your family, leave your country, go into some land you have no idea where it is, you haven't ever seen it, you haven't ever lived there, just go to where I'm telling you to go and I will take care of you. And if you know the life of Abram, which becomes later Abraham, and you follow his life, you follow his existence, you see that he was a man of faith. Even to the point that he was ready to offer the sacrifice of his son, Isaac, on the altar. And all through, you see him as a man of faith. And, and it's saying here in the text that just as we, as we had faith in Abraham, we got to see that play out and how he trusted you, God, in maybe even worse circumstances than we have coming against us now, we're going to choose to trust in you. And it really begs this question, really, in application for you this morning, where are you putting your faith? Where are you putting your faith? Is your faith in the circumstances? Is your faith in things you can control? Is your faith in what you can do, what someone else in humanity can do for you? Are you truly putting your faith in God? And what does that mean, to put your faith in someone? I, I love the definition uh, from the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, in assurance about what we do not see. Doesn't that sound good, that we have confidence, that we have assurance? That's where thankfulness starts, is when you have confidence and you have assurance that God is who he says he is, that he will do all he's promised to do. And you decide, I'm going to trust him more than anything else in this world. You'll find your heart turn toward gratitude when you do that. Thankfulness starts with faith. But let's read on in our text, beginning, going back to verse 10 now. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 10. He says, But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. That's these, these armies that are coming against him. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. You see, most scholars believe that those armies that were coming against Jehoshaphat and his armies in Judah at the time, they were probably outnumbered at least two to one. Some scholars believe three to one. 
Fighting in battle back then was always hand-to-hand, arm-to-arm, shoulder-to-shoulder, close proximity contact. So numbers had a lot to do with that. They weren't flying drones. They weren't bombing people from 40,000 feet. No, this was hand-to-hand combat. And it was always helpful if you outnumbered your enemy. But here, Jehoshaphat, he finds himself outnumbered. He finds himself in stress and duress. Jehoshaphat is up against it here. He is worn down, if you read the chapters before, about what he's been having to deal with. He is tired. He is exhausted. He is facing facing all kinds of overwhelm. And yet, he chooses that even in this time, I'm going to have the right frame of mind. You see, a thankful frame of mind requires... A focus on the Lord in spite of everything else going on. A thankful frame of mind requires a focus on the Lord in spite of everything else going on. Because folks, if you're waiting for your conditions in life to get better and then I'll be thankful, our world is a broken heart factory. Filled with disappointment. And yet our world is full of his glory. And sometimes I think it matters where we fix our eyes on how thankful and grateful we might find our hearts to be. Look what it says there in verse 12 of the, of the text we just read. It says, our God, will you not judge them? The first part of verse 12. That's this question. Hey, 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 God, will you not judge them? In other words, will you not take care of this God? Will you not judge these people that are coming against your people? Will you not take care of it? God, just take care of this. And then he gets to the second part, the middle part there of verse 12. And he says, for we have no power. We have no power to face this vast army. We're outnumbered here that is attacking us. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. But then, man, this is the nugget this morning. 12, the last part of verse 12. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Some of you may be at that place this morning. I don't know what to do. We're going through a season right now. At my job, I might lose my job. I don't know where we're going to move. I don't know where we're going to live. I don't know how we're going to live. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. Some of you have been up against it in, in other circumstances. You've had health problems, and you've been to one doctor and two and three and four and five. One of, one of our deacons in the church right now is with his wife in New York looking for some medical help. And maybe you feel you've been up against it with your health, and you don't know what to do. Don't have answers. It's not getting any better. You don't know what to do. But Jehoshaphat says, but... My eyes are on you. Some of you have just been in a season of depression. <clears throat> Maybe you felt anxious. Maybe you just felt forlorn. You felt desperate. And in that season, it's hard. And you don't know what to do. But we can learn from our text today. But we'll look and keep our eyes on you. When he was up against it, 
One of the keys this morning is that he kept his eyes on the Lord in the midst of it all. Let's continue in our text. Verse 13. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. And then the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jahaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Medaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood there in the assembly. And he said, remember, the Spirit's come upon him, and now he's going to speak. He, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. You know, we need to be thankful for the Lord's presence at all times. We need to be thankful for the Lord's presence at all times. Because really, in verses 13 through 17 here, that's that's what he's talking about. Hey, the Lord is with you. The Lord is going to be there for you. It's a reminder for us today. Hey, if you're a Christian and you have Jesus, the Son of God, in your life, he is your Savior and Lord, he says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You will always have the presence of the Lord with you. And there in verse 15, in the second part there, it says, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Because why? Because God is there. For the battle is not yours. The battle is going to be God's. God is going to fight it for you. And then you go down to verse 17. It's almost like, did they get it in verse 15? Because he says the exact same thing. Repeats it again in 17. You get down to 17, he says, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Why? Because you have his presence if he is your Lord and your God. I can't imagine sometimes as Christians, we find ourselves alone. We encourage community here at church. We we encourage you to find your people, find your friends, find those believers that you can have in your life. Get involved in a growth group. Find those people. But sometimes you may be in a season where you're just, you're just alone, like, like maybe physically. Maybe, maybe you, you're, you're heading to Dallas for a surgery and, and, and just no one can go with you. None of your friends, maybe none of your family can be there. And when you go down that hospital, it's a little daunting to be by yourself. But I want you to remember, you always have the presence of the Lord at all times. He is with you, and you can rest in that. And this week, you can find yourself to be thankful for that because you have his presence. And here's the truth this morning. God's presence can drive out fear and discouragement. Some of you are like, man, I want to get rid of my fear and my anxiety. I want to get, I am so discouraged right now. So discouraged by all of my circumstances and everything that's going on in my life. And these relationships are not going well or these circumstances are not going well. I'm here to tell you, the presence of the Lord can drive out fear 
and discouragement. So be thankful that you have the Lord's presence at all times. Let's continue reading on in our text uh, in verse 18. It then says, after all this, so remember, this guy has, has heard from the Spirit of God. He's spoken to King Jehoshaphat and all of those in Judah and Jerusalem. He's given this, this encouragement, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged. You're going to go out and face the, these, these warmongering groups against you tomorrow. The Lord's going to fight for you. The Lord will be with you at the end of verse 17. And then, he said, and then it says this in verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Voice. Do you understand what just happened? They are having a worship service. <laughs> They're having a worship service. And it starts with them bowing down and being humble before the Lord. And then it has them singing praise to the Lord in a very, very loud voice. You see, a grateful heart is filled with worship and praise. If you want to find gratefulness and thankfulness in your heart this week, you do it by remembering who God is and connecting with him through worship and praise. It's a way of connecting to God and being reminded of who he is in all that he has done. Not only in your life, but throughout history as we read the passages like Second Chronicles here. Worship and praise is an outward expression of the inward reality that you have by being in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's an outward expression of the inward reality of this relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And catch this. The way to keep your heart soft in a hard world is to keep, keep giving thanks through the hard things. The way you keep your, your heart soft in a hard world is that you keep giving thanks through the hard things. Had his circumstances changed? No. But he was believing in God, trusting in God, putting his faith in God. And in doing so, he says, hey, I've got to praise the Lord. And so we praise. And so Jehoshaphat praised his people throughout this passage. Praise. And when we get to the end of the text, you're going to find out there's even some more worship and praise. A grateful heart will always be filled with worship and praise. Let's read the next, the next part in our passage in 2 Chronicles, verse 20. So early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And you catch that there's so, there's so much there. It's a reminder to us that thankfulness and gratitude can become your rally cry as you face life, as you're about to go into battle. Thankfulness and gratitude can become your rally cry as you face life, as you 
or going through things and circumstances that you don't like. Remember, they're on the brink of war. They're outnumbered, but they are choosing to put their faith in God. And right there, Jehoshaphat says, hey, listen to me, have faith. And then he says it again at the end of verse 20, have faith again. And if you have faith and you have faith, you will be successful. And then after consulting with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord to, the pra to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. I thought that was interesting. The splendor of God's holiness, the splendor of the difference he is, the set-apartness, the sacredness of God. Not his power. I'm thinking if we're going into battle, we're going to be singing the, the power in the blood. You know, I mean, you know, onward Christian soldiers. No, no, they're talking about the holiness of God. Ponder that for a moment. That God is to be revered because he is holy. And as they went out ahead of the army, they were saying, Lord, kill them all and go before us and slay our enemies. No, they said what? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I was thinking I could come with a lot better battle cries than that. I mean, a lot better. But notice the truth of it. What they're chanting as they go into battle here is what? Give thanks Give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Because he loves us. And his love endures forever. Thankfulness and gratitude need to become our rally cry as Christians. And some of you, I know you feel like, well, the Lord's got me this far, but I don't know where he's at right now, and I'm super frustrated, and things aren't going well. But he did not bring you this far to leave you. Psalm chapter 46 verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. He's your refuge. Some of you need a refuge this morning. And some of you may be coming out of the refuge time and you need strength for the next step. But he is ever-present you see how all these things are tied together this morning. It's the faith. It's the presence of the Lord. It's the spirit of worship that we have because we're believing in him. All of these things work together. You see, gratitude changes the direction of our days. From trying to gain more or getting more things done to gaining more joy and enjoying what God has already done. You're going to fill up against it this week. You might fill up against it this week with Thanksgiving preparations. Oh, I gotta get the turkey, and I gotta get this, and so and so's coming over, and then they're spending the night, and I gotta set up the table, I gotta set up the chairs, and then we gotta go to grandma's, and we gotta go to the other grandma's, and we gotta go to this, and we gotta go to that, I've gotta try to cram this in and work this in. And what about this tradition? We always make the marshmallow turkey things with the, with the little corns and candy corns and the little chocolates, and you know, all of these things. And some of you are not even concerned about those things, it's other things, right? It's the strained family relationships around that table. Oh, carve the turkey. We just hope they don't carve each other in the process, right? For some of you, you're just like, I've just been, it's just been a tough year. Maybe you have the loss of a loved one, and you're facing a week where this is the week of firsts. The first Thanksgiving without your loved one. And maybe you're starting to feel a little bit desperate. <clears throat> you don't always have to know what to do. You just have to know who to look to. 
You don't always have to know just what to do. You just have to know who to look to. What, go back to 12. The last part of verse 12 there. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. We can go get so caught up, can't we? Trying to figure it out on our own. What is next? What do we need to do? We don't know what to do. You've got to continue to keep your eyes on the Lord if you want to see where your help is. And some of us, that is our problem, is we don't keep our eyes on the Lord. We keep our eyes on the conditions. We keep our eyes on the circumstances. But if you want to know where your relief is, if you want to know where your help comes from, you keep your eyes on God. Because keeping your eyes on God will produce a heart full of thanks. And thanks pushes back darkness. And that's why God's people throughout Scripture are always caught up in rejoicing. <clears throat> so you want to know what happens with Jehoshaphat? Let, let me read Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story in verses 22 and 23. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, remember their battle cry was, give thanks to the Lord. Woo! As they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. Listen to this. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. Heart full of thanks. Eyes on God. Keep it simple. Heart full of thanks, remembering who He is. Eyes on Jesus. And maybe that's how you find gratefulness when it's hard to give thanks.